week's edition of Sunday Morning Live from Fresh Fire Church. Today's message from Pastor Adam will encourage and strengthen your walk with Christ. If you would like to be a partner with Fresh Fire Church for $15 a month or more, become our patron on Podbean or visit freshfirechurch.net. And now, let's join the service. I said we need to get right. I see already y'all going to get quiet. So we're going to celebrate baptisms today. This, this is an opportunity for these four or five. I think there's one missing today, so I think there's four of them that are going to uh, make their public declaration that they're dying to self. That's what baptism is. It's saying that the old man is dead. Problem is, is we're sitting full of churches that we've got a whole lot of old men still alive. That's, that is, that's the word that you were just giving. We got to be holy. Our old man has to die. Oh, I know it might be hard today. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, we, we need to hear this word today. Hebrews chapter 12. I, I, I titled it, I changed my mind. You'll understand that in a moment. So this goes right along with baptism, but I'm telling you, this is where the Lord wants us to share today. Hallelujah. Come on. My iPad don't want to work today. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 12, we're going to read just a couple of verses. Verse verse 11, and I might teach it just for a moment so that you can understand what it is we're reading. Otherwise, it's just words on a page. But these words have life, and they will help you if you'll let them today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. It says, now, now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may be dislocated, but rather be healed. Look at this, verse 14. Pursue peace with all people. Just just focus on me. Pursue peace with all people and holiness. Uh Aha. That that, that right there is not popular. Pursue peace with all people and holiness. Without which no one will see the Lord. Oh, my God. Pursue peace with all people. How about that list of enemies? How about that group of people you just don't like very much? Pursue peace with all people and holiness. Without which no one will see the Lord. Moving on, verse 15. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness. I told you it was going to be rough today. Lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble. And by this many become defiled. Lest there be, oh Lord, any fornicator. Or profane person like Esau. Who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. For you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. Oh, my God. If I only had the time, we would teach this till you'd have some grand revelation today. But I don't. Have that kind of time today. Hallelujah. In fact, I have a, a timer somewhere. Lord, have mercy. Where did it go? See, I'm trying to be, be good today. I don't know what happened to it. Hallelujah. Huh? Yeah, my phone. It was on it. Oh, well, glory to God. Well, now you're all in trouble for sure. <laughs> Hallelujah. It, it, it didn't just... Hallelujah. See, looky there. Now we're on track. Praise God. I had it all set and ready to go, too. Hallelujah. I'm fixing it. Here we go. 
See, it's even counting me down. Glory to God. We're going to be on time today. Hallelujah. I, 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 don't get an attitude quite yet. We need to hear what the Lord would say through these scriptures today. I know it's, it's, it's rare that we even teach and preach on things like this, not just here, but really anywhere today. But this is literally the word of the Lord that he had given me because of the times that we are in. And I believe where we're just at as a people in the church, the body of Christ. But I, I want you to, to keep in mind the declaration that I made for the title today, I changed my mind. I've changed my mind. That, that's what it, at the, at the, at the underneath everything that that scripture says, it comes down to a, a decision, a changed mind. See, in the life that you and I live, we can change our hair. We can change our address. We can change the kind of car we drive. You can change your spouse. You can change everything about you, but if you don't change your mind, you're going to continue to have the same experience until you do. Some people will, will try to make all the physical changes they can to their life, get a new job, get a new spouse, get a new car, get everything new, get a new hairdo, and yet they still have the same problems because it comes down to a, a changed mind. Most of the things that, that we often struggle with and battle with, some of the, the areas where people struggle with, with, with different types of addiction, that it comes down to having a changed mind, that you want something different out of life. Hallelujah. None of us can escape rules and consequences. There are always consequences for what we do. Amen. Amen. Some of us, we always get stopped by the popo. Every, you can be speeding four miles an hour, and they always get you. Out of a line of cars, they pick you right out of there. Hallelujah, right? The, the fact of the matter is, is one, one of the ways that you and I should know that we can't get away from anything when it comes to God is it's, it's a way for you and I to know that he loves us. In the same way that we used to get trouble all the time, think about it this way. When we were younger, that some of us may have hated our parents for the very thing that we ended up loving them for, which was their discipline. Mm -hmm. When you were young, you didn't like it very much, but as you got older, you can appreciate it because the same people you grew up with, they might be in jail, and because of their discipline and being hard and firing you up in the middle of the grocery store from time to time, uh, it, it kept you from being there right alongside of them. Amen. So the Bible says that those he loves, he chastens. So in other words, correction from, from heaven is an announcement that you're God's child. See, we sort of make correction and, and course correction in the church a bad thing. Oh, did you see Sister Susie? She responded to that altar call, get right with God. See, I knew there wasn't something right about her. Oh, come on. Let's not pretend that don't happen in churches. Uh, people get all judgmental when the elders of the church start gathering to repent. Somehow thinking that they, they, they shouldn't somehow be an elder because they're repenting. But the Bible says those he loves, he chastens, or he brings course correction, all right? It's an announcement that you are God's child. L look how the text starts. We're, I'm going to take this verse by verse for a few moments. It says, now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. But painful, my goodness, hallelujah. See, if you and I are under chastisement, correction, correction of any kind, right, we, we, can, we can pray for you. You can come up for prayer, and we can pray for you. We can anoint you with oil till you're as greasy as KFC chicken, right, all of those things. But it isn't going to help you until you make a course correction. We, we can pray for you till my lips turn blue, but that won't help you until you make a course correction. Are you hearing what I'm trying to tell you? That sometimes God starts dealing with uh, changing some things about us, and he'll keep on dealing with us about that until there is a change. That's why it says that now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present. It's not joyful. Uh, did anybody ever enjoy getting corrected as a child? getting fired up as a child, right? No, we didn't enjoy it any more than we do when God starts dealing with us about something in our life that's got to go. 
We, we don't want to talk about it. It's how, how you know it gets quiet in here. You're like, oh, don't go there today. Don't, don't, don't make me deal with me. I, I want you to preach so I can shout about everybody else who's a heathen in my life. Don't deal with me. See, we can't shout and praise God when he starts dealing with our heart. Uh-huh. He, he, what happened to us singing, uh, 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 he's the great I am. I mean, you know, he's still the great I am even when he's trying to deal with you. Hallelujah. No chastisement is joyful. But when God's through, he will correct in you whatever's out of order. All right? He'll correct whatever's out of order in you. That's the God that we serve. That's what he's trying to do. That's what he wants to do right here, right now in our lives. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. It goes on in verse 12. Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may be dislocated but rather healed. Mm. Uh, What's it talking about? Let let me just summarize it real easy for you. He's saying don't walk around with a pouty face. That's why he's saying don't don't walk around with your hands hanging down, shoulders slumped, your your, your face looking morbid. He's saying don't walk around with a pouty face and and, and puffed out lips because you got corrected. You know, like we used to do when we was a kid, we would pout, not talk to nobody. Mm. Leave me alone. That's what we do in church. We start getting upset about something, we'll pout, sit in the corner, or just not show up. God starts dealing with you. You just stop praying. You stop talking. I ain't worshiping today. That's true. I've seen it where people get mad at the preacher and they sit down during worship. That's on you. You didn't hurt my feelings. If you don't not scare to God anymore during about that, then that then that's on you. Hallelujah. In other words, he's saying in verse 12, he says, therefore strengthen the hands which hang down on your feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may be dislocated, may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. In other words, don't allow your brokenness to get you off the course of your destiny. But look what he says. He said at, right at the end of verse 13, but rather let it be healed. In other words, there are some things in our life, I, I, I'm moving quick, there's so much I'd like to say about this, but he's saying, in other words, you and I have got to let some things be healed in us because there are some people that they refuse to be healed. There are some people, there are things and areas of our life that we refuse to let it be healed. So God's word is saying you have to let it. In other words, you have to announce to yourself that it is over. Oh, yes, Amen. You have to announce to yourself that it's over. It, it's, it sounds like an odd statement in the middle of this text that we're reading. It's an odd statement. You, you'd think that everything broken would want to be healed. You'd think that everything lame would want to be healed. You'd think that everything that's fragmented would want to be healed. But the Bible says that here in this chapter, you have to let it be healed. You have to make a decision to allow some things in your life to be healed. That's why some of us, we've been saved for so long, but you're still struggling with issues of the heart. You haven't announced to yourself, see, I said I'm coming for you today, hallelujah. Because there were four or five people that are going to make their public declaration that their old man is dead. But what we all need to do, I'm, I'm telling you, we all need to make some kind of a public declaration, but this part of my life is over. I'm going to let this be healed in me. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Remember, Jesus asked the lame man, he said, Wilt thou be made whole? Jesus asked the lame man the question, Wilt thou be made whole? Do you want to be made well? Why did he ask him that? Because sometimes our outer actions are saying one thing, but our inner actions are saying something else. Thank you, Ramona. You're hearing what I'm trying to tell you. Did anybody else ever know a liar? People who will say one thing, but their interactions do something else, or, or they, their interactions are, you're, you're seeing something else showing up on their face, but their words are saying something totally different. Uh-huh. They, they'll treat you one way, but they're saying something that doesn't match the way they're treating you. 
That's what was happening with this man. Jesus was saying, do you really want to be made well? Because what I'm picking up isn't what it sounds like. Sometimes that's how we are as a church. What we're, what we're saying publicly is not what's going on inside. So we're, we're worshiping God. There's none like you. I love you in all the world. You're the great I am. And we're trying to worship him while our heart is black with bitterness. Hallelujah. Dryer sheet just came out. I thought it was I thought it was the glory of God. Starting to touch my arm. That's how you know everything's freshly pressed, friends. You and I gotta let it be healed. Let it be healed. That's what he that's what he says right here in the text. You have to let it be healed. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Let it be healed. Let it be healed. Let it be healed. That's where our will factor comes into play. That, that's why the Bible says that, we're, we're, that our soul would be saved, right? When it talks about our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions. Our will. Our will factor comes into play. What you really want. So he says, do, do you want to be healed? In other words, Jesus was saying, do you want to be healed or you, do you enjoy uh, the, the pity and the attention from being sick? So he said, do you want to be made well? Do you really want to be well or do you enjoy the pity and the attention you get from being sick? He, he's saying, do you want to be free from addiction or, or do you like it more than you do me? I'm trying to break it down so we can understand what it is that, that it comes to a point where God's saying, hey, you have to you have, to have a change of mind. You, you, you and I can't worship God with all of these other things. He's bringing the church to a decision. I mean, you know, we, we see things happen in the world today, and it should cause the churches of America to fill up. It should cause every person in church to run and feel that we shouldn't have to give an altar call. You should be already laying there begging and crying out to God. That's why I said last week I wasn't even giving an altar call. I, I shouldn't have to invite you after the word I gave last week. I mean, you, you should just fall on your face before God automatically for what's happening today and in, in, in by understanding the word of God and where we are at as a people. He's saying, do, do you want to be made well? He's saying, you got to let it be healed you got to make a decision today. I'm going to be made whole. I'm going to be made well. All right. So he said, do you, he said to, the, to the man, do you want to be healed or do you do enjoy the pity party? Do, do you want to be free from what, what has you bound or do you enjoy it more than you do me? He, he's saying to us, do you, do you want to be more of a hypochondriac more, and, and more than demonstrating the power of who God is? When our will is all screwed up, when we aren't willing to make a real decision for God, then it limits us from ever getting any better. What God needs from you and I is if we, if we really want to see change, God says all it requires of you is a decision. Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be made? You have to let it be healed. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Or do you enjoy being angry? See, there are some people, they're, they're, they're ill because... Because they can, they can do what they want and, and they can blame it on everybody else and how they grew up and everything else. So they don't want to be well because it's easier to blame everybody else. I, I, I won't stay there very long. Hallelujah. So it becomes our excuse for why we act the way we do. Well, you don't understand how I grew up. You don't understand how they used to beat me. You don't understand this and you don't understand the light that I lived. So it's our excuse for throwing temper, tam temper tantrums. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. I know it's hard today. I think I've shared this story before. There were two, two twin boys. And each of them grew up in the same house. Two twin boys, they both grew up with an alcoholic father. One was asked, why are you an, why are you an alcoholic? And he answered, because I grew up around an alcoholic. And the other twin boy was asked, he said, why, why are you not an alcoholic? And he said, because I grew up with an alcoholic. See, they both gave the same answer. Think about it. But the second boy changed his mind. 
right? We, we can make all the excuses in the world why we are or why we're not, but it comes down to a decision. I can't blame the way I am everything on mom. Right? Well, we, we can't blame the reason for the way we are the way we are because of our ex-spouse. I know what they did was wrong, but you can't use that as an excuse. He said you have to let it be healed. You can't let what your family did to you that was wrong hurt you still and cause you to live in bitterness and anger and resentment. He's saying you got to let that be healed. You and I can't keep trying to worship God and serve God living with a bunch of church hurt. You got to let it be healed. Are you hearing me? You can't, you can't keep trying to live with your family and so wound and scarred and allowing what happened years ago or how they still act still hurt you. You have to let that stuff be healed. That's what he's saying. He's speaking to the issues of the heart that are robbing us of who we really are. Oh, hallelujah. Verse 14, I got to move. Verse 14, pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. So he's saying, hey, you, he wants you and I to work on our relationships with people. He says, follow peace with all men. In other ways, if there's a way to avoid conflict, follow peace with men. He's saying, I don't want you to get hooked on conflict and fighting about things that do not matter. Do you know how many times we waste time fighting on things that it ain't going to matter in five minutes or five months? In our marriages, and our families, and our churches, and by with our neighbors, we'll fight over things. It ain't going to matter in five minutes or five months. If it ain't going to matter in five months, don't fight about it. Hallelujah. I'll just get move on. Hallelujah. I'm going to say what he wants me to say, and then we're going to do what he needs to do today. Whew. Some people are so addicted to conflict and drama. He, he's, it's a warning to the church saying, there will be no drama in my house. My house shall be called a house of prayer. But this, this text, pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. He, he's urging you and I not to just, don't just work on relationships with God while you're hateful to me. Yeah, I'll say it again. Don't just work on your relationship with God while you're hateful with your brother. Because, you know, there's, there are hateful church people. Anybody ever been there? I've been there. This is why we have to get it right. This is why we have to make sure that we demonstrate the love of God and we love people. Because he's saying, hey, I don't want you just trying to love up to me on Sunday morning and then hate your brother. I told you before, I used to work at Midtown Foodland, and I had to work Sundays sometimes when I was younger. And there were no, all week there wasn't any more hateful people than the ones that came in on Sunday right after church. I'm telling you, the hateful, nastiest, dressed up, hair in a bun, long skirts, all that kind of crazy stuff going on. They were nasty, and they were, don't you mash my bread. I'd mash it just to show them I could. I'm telling you the truth. They don't crush my eggs. I'd push down just because they were so mean and nasty. I know it ain't right. I, I wasn't all quite saved yet, y'all. I'm just here to tell you, but that's how we are. That people don't see us as, as loving people, right? People often see the church as hypocritical, that we'll talk about how awesome God, how good is, how, how great God is, and that we're, we're supposed to be something, but the world sees us as being something that we are not. And so he's saying, I need you to just not just love, work, work on your relationship with me while you hate on people. I need you to work on your vertical relationship, but also your horizontal relationship. That's what the cross demonstrates. It's love up and down, but love side to side. Hallelujah. So make peace with your miserable neighbor. Mm. Don't just come into the house of God, pretend to have the, be filled with the Holy Ghost, and then not be able to talk to people who say hi to you. Oh, see, I'm coming for you today. You know how many times I've watched people have spiritual fits in the house of God, and then they can't even love on people outside of church? Demonstrate the love of God. He's talking about holiness. Now, some people use holiness that go to the extreme and use holiness about a, in a legalistic way. I'm not talking about that. 
I'm not talking about a holiness that the church tries to impose upon you. I'm talking about, a, he's talking about a holiness of the heart. I believe holiness is good. I believe we should be, live holy and blameless before God, the Bible says. Yeah, I believe part of holiness is that when, when, when necessary, we need to dress modestly. Yeah, I believe that that's part of holiness. What, what am I talking about? What I'm talking about is, if you ain't, is that if you're not selling, take down the sign. Some of you will get it. Right? I, I mean, we're, we're married trying to still dress like a hoochie mama. He, he's saying, hey, holiness. Holiness. He said, hey, hey, you're not supposed to be selling. You are married, so take down the sign. Sometimes we go to churches and I wonder, good God almighty, is this a singles church or what? Come to find out, nope, that's the preacher's wife. I'm telling you the truth. There is a level of holiness that he's calling the church to. I know it freaks a lot of the church out when we start talking about holiness because you think we're talking about certain things and you need to wear it something to, to certain so many inches from the knee and blah, blah. No, no, I'm talking about holiness not just outside but inside. I won't spend a lot of time there. We'll have to do it another day. Hallelujah. He says, pursue peace with all people and holiness which no one, without which no one will see the Lord. Do you realize that? You won't see God. And if you're not going to see God, you're not going to see his purpose. See, what happens is we end up coming to church and we end up shouting about it, clapping about it, all of those things, but you won't see what God has for you if you don't get yourself together. That's what this text is about. Some of us are worshiping God, trying to serve God, and we're still trying to figure out where our place is with God. And he's saying, I'll show you, but I need you to get yourself together. Mm, my God, I've had people tell me, Pastor, I'm called to ministry, and that's 25 years ago when I started, and they're still looking to be called. I'm telling the honest God's truth because they're not willing to get it together. Let's move on. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness, oh, springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. He's talking about sins of the heart. Envy. Jealousy, rage, bitterness, racism. Lord, it got quiet. These are sins of the spirit that get in your heart. These are sins that people cannot see. People can be with you. They can celebrate you and secretly be be planning your demise. I mean, you want proof? Judas was at every worship service. Judas was there when they were washing Jesus' feet. Because just because a person shows up at the right place doesn't mean they have the right attitude. Right? You, you've heard the analogy. J- j- just because you go to church doesn't make you a Christian. J- just because you, you stand in a garage doesn't make you a car. That's why this is a word for the church today. I'm telling you, we've got to make some decisions in the house of God. Hallelujah. Because we can have all the education in the world. We can have all the money in the world. But, but, but listen, if you don't have the right attitude, then you can't have a change of mind. Right? God's t- he's saying through this, he needs you and I to have the right attitude. How do we get the right attitude? By making a decision. I'm not going to be miserable. I'm not going to hate them anymore. I'm going to stop being my old ugly self that I am, and I'm going to demonstrate the love of God, his forgiveness. Hallelujah. See, See, what I know about this text is the Bible wouldn't caution us to watch out for bitterness if there were not going to be things that would make you bitter. You know this is true. The Bible isn't cautioning us because it doesn't pertain to you. The Bible is cautioning us to make sure we don't let people and things and circumstance make us bitter. Because there are things that will. There are people that want to make me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Life will tempt you to become bitter. Age will tempt you to become bitter. Lois. 
Why, why do I say that? I'm, I'm telling you the truth because everybody in here, as you got older, you, you probably understand what I'm saying. Because during age, we collect all kinds of experiences and we end up becoming cynical. And after a while, we don't expect anything good to happen because we've been through so many bad things. Life will make you bitter. Age will make you bitter. So he's saying you got to watch these things and the conditions of your heart because he's saying, hey, church people, you so-called Christians, as the word came forth, oh, hallelujah, you're bitter. You're not walking in holiness. Woo, Jesus. We, we can serve them all the food and the clothes and the housewares we want, but if we're bitter... We're ugly. We stink in the nostrils of God. I mean, Tuesday was like record-breaking. I, I heard they were like wore out and tired, and they got slammed, right? That's all great. I, great we can hand out clothes, and we pay double electric, double gas bills, all these things just to give out clothes and food and all the things that we do, right? That's great. That's wonderful. But if you don't have the right attitude, you stink in the nostrils of God. You should stay home. Oh, hallelujah. Preacher's not mad. I'm just giving you the word today. I'm telling you that sometimes we appear to be something that we are not. Not loving people. Love them. Love them, love them, love them, love them. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Troubles will either make you and I bitter or they're going to make us better. In other words, here's what he's saying in this text. He said, don't just pay attention to what you say with your mouth. He said, I want you to pay attention to what you were thinking when you said it. Because sometimes what we're thinking is different than what we're actually saying. That's why people can say, I love you. They don't love you. They love you with conditions. They love you if you act and behave a certain way. Can you act? Can you still love me when I act crazy and a fool? Can you still love me when I preach a message like this? Or is it only okay when I preach a message that you can shout and scream hallelujah to? Right? Can, can you still love somebody when they treat you wrong? He said, I want you not to just focus on what you're saying, but I want you to focus on what you are thinking. Hallelujah. In other words, when you start paying attention to what you are thinking, that, that's, that's how you're going to be able to see what kind of attitude you have towards somebody. In other words, when, when someone walks in the church and you're just sort of like, or you give a look, that is your attitude speaking. You can smile and say, oh, good morning, sister. Roll your eyes as they walk away. That's your attitude. That's your heart. He's saying, that's what I want you to pay. Oh, see, it's getting hard in here today. See, some of us, that, that proves right there how hypocritical we are because we'll smile and shake hands and give somebody a hug, and while we're hugging them, we're rolling our eyes to the person behind us. Not here. Not at Fresh Fire Church. Not at First Assembly of God. Not at the United Presbyterian Pentecostal Church of the First Street in, in, in Masontown. Hallelujah. Of course. Of course, it happens all over the place. Are you still hearing what I'm trying to say? So, in other words, uh, you, need to, you need to ask yourself, why do you have an attitude to that person when you have those thoughts? And, or, or why does your attitude change when they come in the room? In other words, what's growing on the inside of you? What have you left grow so long that, that you know those people, just as I'm talking about it, that your, your attitude changes when they walk in? You've left something grow far too long. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Because as Christians, have you ever noticed we have unique ways of not talking about people? Yeah, you know what I mean. We're good at that. We have unique ways. Some of you are good at just giving looks. Am I the only one that can give a look? My mom used to be able to give a look that would scare the fire right out of you. Be in church acting up and she'd look over. Right? And you you knew when you was getting home you were going to get fired up. Right? Some of you can communicate with just your eyes. And we know what you're saying about somebody just with your eyes. Just like. So that makes you more holy. Right? Because you're, you're, you're not saying anything. You're just. 
what 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 the word of God say? Oh, see, look at it. it's so tough today, Lois. Hallelujah. But the Lord Lord was saying, He said, ask him why do they need to do that? The Lord said, ask him why a person so great has to act so small. You know what happens when you and I do that? Go ahead and turn that on for me. You know what happens when we do that? You allow the entire warehouse of blessings and giftings of God to be contaminated by that small thing you won't get over. I said, you allow, listen to what I just said, you allow the entire warehouse of blessings and giftings of God be contaminated by that small thing you won't get over. What am I saying? Because sins of the heart live the longest because they go undetected and unseen by most people unless you live with them. But some of us have lived with some people that everyone else thought was nice, but they didn't live with them. Oh, come on. Haven't you ever lived, had somebody in your family, your sister, your brother, your, your mother, your father, they were a fraud? Everybody said how great they were, how awesome they were, and they didn't know who they really were. He's talking about here in the text, sins of the flesh. Sins of the flesh. He moves on. Talking about fornication. In other words, what we do with our body or how profane we can be. How, how the nasty, filthy things his people can sometimes do. How we can be 30 and we act 15. He's talking about in the text how we haven't learned to manage our flesh. And so then it moves on and it ends up talking about the profane things in Esau. And the text relates all of this to Esau. Let me remind you about Esau. Oh, hallelujah. Remember, Esau was the heir as the grandson of Abraham. But he lost it all. The Bible said that Esau lost his birthright because he was hungry. So he traded Jacob for food. He gave it all up because he got hungry for a bowl of soup. What, what did Esau do? Esau made a permanent decision over a temporary situation. In other, in other words, there are some things you and I make decisions over. I'm preaching to you today. There are some things that happen into your life, and you end up making a permanent decision in that moment, but it's only a temporary thing. Some of us have done that in our lives, and we've reaped the consequences of those decisions. Loneliness is temporary, and it will pass. Hunger will pass. Frustration will pass. But if you and I aren't careful, and you and I don't learn to manage our flesh and not respond over temporary situations and remember that this too shall pass, we'll make a permanent decision in a broke down temporary moment and you'll spend the next 20 years paying the price for that decision. Everybody here in this place, everybody online has made a stupid decision. Some of us, like me, has graduated ahead of the, ahead of the class of stupid university. Right? We, we've just made a bunch of bad decisions. Esau, he gave up the next, you and I can give up the next 30 years of our life for 30 minutes. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God's saying to the church, I need you to be able to deal with your heart. I want you to be able to deal with the sins of the flesh. I need you to be able to get yourself under control and get yourself right. Otherwise, you won't see me. That's exactly what Hebrews says. He said, you either do this or you won't see me. So here's Esau. He had already made the mistake. He was unable to change what he set in motion over his life. And the Bible says, watch this. The Bible says that Esau sought repentance with many tears, but he found it not. He found it not. There are people who, they say, oh, I'm just looking to change. I'm looking to be a better person, but they never do. 
They never do. God is talking to the thing that you are struggling with that isn't getting any better. You keep saying that you want to change it. You keep saying it's an area you want to give over to God. And what God is saying to you and I today, I need you to make a decision without which you will not see me. Boy, it got quiet. God is dealing with you and I, the conditions of our heart. The word of the Lord came forward early. It might have been hard. You might have got an attitude when you heard that tongues and interpretation. But here God is saying, "Uh uh-huh, you didn't want to listen then. You're going to listen now. He's saying, if you don't deal with this stuff that's in you without which you will not see me. Your butt can warm a chair, but you will not see me. You can come in and shout and fake your tongues, but you will not see me. You can fall to the floor like you're falling under the power of God, but you will not see me. That's why sometimes when I pray for people and they fall down too quick, I'll make the usher pick them back up, pick them up, stop it. Stop it. God don't need no courtesy fall. You you fall when you're ready to to lay down and, and really carry your cross. You fall down when you're really ready to surrender. Otherwise, stop giving God a courtesy fall. Get your feet up. Cindy and them see me do it. Get up. Without which you will not see me. Esau wasn't able to change what he set in motion. He sought repentance, but he found it not. See, we often make the same mistakes over and over again. And God is saying, if you don't make this decision today, you will not see me. I don't know about you, but if any of you have ever had the desire to change but didn't have the ability to, it's frustrating. It's frustrating to have the desire to change and not be able to. The Bible said Esau sought repentance with many tears, but he found it not. Think about this. He was destined to be in the lineage of greatness. He forfeited it all for a bowl of soup in his inability to correct a pattern of a dysfunctional decision. Probably everybody in here knows somebody that's stuck, or many of you in here could say, I'm stuck. I've been trying to change some stuff, and I cannot change it. I cannot get over what they did to me. I cannot get over how they treated me. I cannot get over, I can't get those images out of my head. All the times I had to duck, all the times I had to hide. I can't get out of my head what that church did to me. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. But be careful, be careful, be careful when you say that because Esau sought repentance with many tears. I found it not. Repentance, I, God Almighty. That's seven minutes. Repentance. Metanoia. You know what it means in the Greek, what repentance means? It means to change your mind. To change your mind. Another definition is to pivot directions. He sought a change of mind with many tears and he found it not. Why, why did he find it not? He sought a change with a lot of emotions and he found it not. In other words, tears don't equal repentance. I've seen so many people cry and snot and bawl at the altar and it's great and it's awesome but it means nothing in the face of God if there is not a decision to change God says you can cry all you want and you can look good you can look like you're trying to change but unless you change direction that ain't repentance that's why it says that he sought repentance with many tears and found it not because he didn't make a decision he just said I'm going to make an emotional change I'm going to have a Holy Ghost spell fake one fake it till I make it God says nope 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 God is saying to the church you were like Esau seeking repentance with, 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 with many tears but we're finding it not. 
Because we don't want to change direction. Because we don't want to make a decision. You really don't want to give up what God's been dealing with you about. So you're just going to still worship him the way that you have been. He's saying tears are not an indication of change of direction at all. Because people can cry and lie. I know some people who they should be in Hollywood. They'd win an Emmy. I mean, some of y'all can cry and lie all at the same time. Let me put it in a way maybe you'll understand. I have all kinds of apps and things on my phone, and when I get starting to think about what I'm going to preach, I'll start putting notes into my phone. I have a Word document. And I like to use a specific kind of font. I do it when I type out my final notes. I do it on my phone. Cynthia knows because she goes in and she fixes all my notes and puts them in pretty little binders and organizes them. But every time I go in and out of Word on my phone, it always default. The default setting is Times New Roman fault, and I hate it. It's old. But it doesn't matter. I'll go in and I'll change the font to Calibre, whatever it's called. But every time I exit the app and go back in to make another note, it defaults again to Times New Roman. Doesn't matter how many times. Doesn't matter how many times I go in to make the change, it keeps reverting back. God is saying to the church, you keep coming to church and you change who you are when you walk in the door. And when you leave and you go home, you change back to the person you were before you got to church. And then you'll come to church again and you change yourself again. And then you leave church. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God's saying you're just like the default settings on your phone or your computer. There's been no real change. The only way I can, you know, the only way I finally figured out how I can change the font. So that every time I access it, Cynthia, it'll type in the font that I want and in the format that I want. I had to go in and change the default settings. I had to go in and tell my phone and my computer, this is what I want you to do when I open up your program. In the same manner, that's what God is saying in this word today. He said, I need you to go in and I need you to change your default settings. I need you to make a decision. When I go in and I change the default settings on my computer, I'm telling it what it needs to do. That's why I said to you earlier this, this morning, when Jesus says, you have to let it be healed. There comes a point in our walk with God where we try to worship God with part of our old self. And he said, no, 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 no. I need you to decide to let it be healed. Let it be healed. Let go of it. Stop trying to hold people hostage. Stop trying to worship me with that darkness and that blackness in your heart. And if you don't make this decision, look what he said in the text, without which you will not see God. What am I saying all this for? Because there is nothing as powerful as a changed mind. Nothing, nothing as powerful as a changed mind. The Bible says it is with the mind we serve the Lord. Let me give you an example. I worked with a young girl. She weighed about 112 pounds. I counseled her for many years. Like 112 pounds. Josh, you could pick her up and bench press her up over your head with ease. She came to me and she said, I don't know what to do. My husband is beating me. She'd come to church with a black eye and her lip all busted. She'd wear sunglasses. She'd miss a lot of church because the night before was so bad she couldn't dare show her face because everyone would know what was going on. And I was the only one in the church that knew. And I kept trying to teach her who she was in God. I kept trying to encourage her to have a change of mind because every time she, she kept having this belief that she, she did something wrong. 
So she tried to live up under all the pressure of the world to be perfect, to be the perfect wife. And she talked to me about all the triggers that set him off. And I, I, and I just thought, Lord, I kept trying to teach her what she needed to do, how she needed to get out, how she needed to be safe in life. And I just couldn't get through to her, couldn't get through. This went on for years. Still trying to teach her who she was in Christ, who she was in God. Counseled her, cried with her. I'd watch her sit in my office, her lips so swollen, and just by talking, her, her lip would bleed and drip down her chin. And she would leave, and my heart would break because I said, God, how am I going to help her? Finally, several years ago, finally she called in the middle of the night. And I thought, oh man, it's going to be bad. She called, and while I was expecting, crying and hysteria about 3 a.m. in the morning she said pastor she said I just wanted to call and let you know I'm safe I said what do you mean what do you mean she said I finally made up my mind that I'm better than this so she ended up telling me what she did when he finally came for her to really that hurt her he, he, he hit her twice but she raised up grabbed an iron skillet off of the thing. I'm not, I'm not advocating violence at all, but she grabbed an iron skillet and she fought him back. And she said, you lay hands on me one more time. She said, I will kill you. She said, I will kill you right where you are. Why am I telling you that? I'm not advocating for you to do that. I'm not advocating for you to beat somebody up. I'm saying she finally had a change of mind. I'm better than this. All 112 pounds of me, he was like 300 pounds of, of solid muscle. What happened was she finally made a decision. I'm better than this. That is the same thing that God is calling this church to do. You want to know why we are battling depression while we are? You want to know why some of us are such an emotional train wrecks? You are no different than that 112 pound girl who won't make a decision. going in and out and in and out living one way there living another way here and God says that just won't work without which you will not see me there is nothing as powerful as a changed mind I'm going to stop there I, I, I want to say more I'm going to stop there right there there's nothing as but God is calling the church to, to have a change of mind in a few moments we're going to have these folks get baptized as an outward sign of an inward cleansing. But more than that, I've said it a few times today. It is them making a public demonstration. Really, baptism, it's something that's not celebrated enough in most of American churches. See, if you would go to, to China, you could be killed for this. If you were in Russia right now, you'd be put on a list to be murdered. it's just no big deal it's just no big deal this is an outward demonstration that the old man is dead I, I, I've made a decision that's what these four that are going to I've made a decision we, we don't make you jump through a bunch of hoops get baptized we just need to know you're saved accepted Jesus we're not asking you to join and be a member of the church this is your public declaration that the old man is dead the old man is dead before we baptize them I want to give an opportunity in this place that everyone in this place would make a decision. 
you may have got saved years ago. That's all fine. That's all good. I'm saying that you and I would make a decision that we'd make sure we're not going to be like Esau where we seek repentance with many tears and find it not. A decision where we're going to say, I'm going to finally lay down how I feel about those people. I'm going to finally lay down the dark bitterness of my heart. I'm going to finally lay down the stuff that's going on inside of me that I'm trying to serve God with. I'm not going to be like that 112 pound girl who kept going back and kept going back and kept going back. And you're allowing life to beat you up. But instead, you're going to say, I'm going to make a decision. Because there's nothing as powerful as a changed mind. What today is really about is for you and I to be able to say, I'm going to tell the devil I changed my mind. In fact, that should be your declaration. What this morning and this altar call was going to be about is I'm going to tell the devil I changed my mind. I'm going to tell the devil I'm going to let go. I'm going to let myself be healed. Wilt thou be made whole? Do you want to be made well? Do you want to be able to know what it's like to serve God without all of that? Do you want to know what it's like to serve God without being bitter and without being angry? Do you want to be, know what it's like to serve God not holding on to those things of your past? Do you want to know what it's like being able to serve God and, and, and find the joy of the Lord, which is your strength, and, and not just come in and out? And never change the default settings of who you are. God's calling you and I to change the default settings. God says, I need the DNA of my church to change. I need the church to look like me. Without which you will not see me. Well, those are strong words without which you will not see me. So without a bunch of fanfare, without begging you, do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made well? Do you want to have a change of mind? And if you do, don't be like Esau and just seek your repentance with many tears, with just emotions. Make a decision. I'm going to give you a moment. If that's you today, I need to be made well. I need to be made well. Get up and don't wait. Get to the altar and start finding a place of prayer. This is between you and God. I don't care if you kneel or you stand or you lay on your face before God. I'm going to get out of the way. But do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made well? Hallelujah. Do you want to be made well? Hallelujah. Do you want to be made well? This is it. This is it right here. You talk to God. You talk to God. You make a decision to be made well. I'm going to seek repentance, not just with tears. But with a decision, I'm, I'm going to let it go. Let it be healed in you right now. That's what you need to be telling God. Lord, what's it's in me, I give it to you. Lord, what they did to me. God, how they hurt me. God, I've been trying to live and I'm bitter. I'm angry. I have unforgiveness. I resent them. God, when they walk in the room, I can barely stomach it. That kind of stuff. Let it be healed. That's what you got to say. God, I let it be healed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let it be healed. Come on, if you're up here, just, just pray. You and God, you and God, you and God. This song says it's this is amazing grace. My chains are gone. You need to know that this is a day where your chains will be gone where God does not want you to try to worship and serve Him still bound. God wants you to be able to worship and serve Him and be free. That's what this is about. You're making a decision. You're making a decision in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord.
part again, but come on, those of you that are up here, let it be healed in you. Let it be healed. I can't be the only one that senses the anointing of God in this place up here, my God. Let it be healed in you. You're not going to live another day living with what you've been living with. The rest of you, if you choose to leave here and be the same, that's on you. I've done my job and I'm done preaching to Christians that want to be mediocre and, and, and warm and you're going to serve God in your disobedience. If that's you, this ain't the place. I'm here to tell you today, I'm here to tell you that if you've responded to this altar call, if you've yet to, this song says, my chains are gone. This is the moment. Let it be healed. Let whatever has been in you and locked up inside of you, let it go. Let it go. He is in this place and ready to take it from you. If you'll let him, if you'll let him, if you'll let him. As you worship the Lord, let the spirit of the living God touch you today. My chains are gone, I've been set free. My God, my Savior has ransomed me. And like a flood, His mercy reigns unending love. time. My chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, my Savior has ransomed me. And like a flood, His mercy Now, Father, we just thank you. And Lord, we praise you for this moment. God, we praise you for hearts and lives that are allowing themselves to be healed. Hearts and lives that are allowing themselves to make a decision today. I will never be the same again. I will never be the same again. I'm done with this. I'm done with this. The prodigal son was in the was in the pig pen eating and, and and sleeping with the pigs until the bible said that the prodigal son came to himself he made a decision that's why there's nothing as powerful as a changed mind father i thank you and i praise you today for changed minds i thank you and i praise you today god that we will not live the way we've been living God, we will not live the same way that we've been living. God, we won't allow what's been going on inside of us to go on inside of us anymore. But today, today, oh God, today, oh God, we choose to change. 
today, oh God, I pray over these individuals in the front of this place, Lord, that they let it be healed. They let it be healed from the inside out, from the inside out, that they would never be the same again. Change them, that they may have a powerful, powerful encounter with you. God, we give you the glory. We give you the honor. We give you the praise right now. I declare today whom the Son has set free is free indeed. In Jesus, your mighty name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God now. Thank you, Jesus. Isn't God awesome? Yes, he's awesome.